0: I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers on School Violence. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. You can find me and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Lisa Evers. And you can catch up on all of our Street Soldiers episodes, both radio and TV, free of charge on my website, LisaEvers.com. Now, after the Parkland School Massacre, concerns about school safety were front and center for many students as the school year started. But here in New York City, the issues were much more close and at at home. 2017 proved to be at points some of the most violent acts in school history. Parents concerned about their students' safety. Children feeling that they even need to carry something in order to protect themselves. Bullying issues not being addressed. Those are some of the concerns that we've been hearing from many parents and people in the schools. So we're taking a look today at what's really going on in the school system. What needs to be done? What's not being done? Are we up to date with the safety measures and security measures that we are taking here for the more than one million students who attend school here in the five boroughs? So, we have a great panel to discuss all of this. Joining me is Senator Jesse Hamilton. He's a New York State Senator, a Democrat from Brooklyn. He's an Education uh, Committee member, and he's also sponsored a bill to have more social workers in the schools. Uh, Senator Hamilton, great to have you with us. Thank you, for having me. <laughs> Thank you okay. so much. Also joining us is Shakima Davis. She's a parent of a fifth grader in the city school system and also an educator. Shakima, great to have you.
1: Nice being here.
0: Thank you so much for being with us. Also joining us is Gregory Floyd. He's the president of Teamsters Local 237 they represent the school safety agents the ones who are entrusted by the city and by the NYPD to protect the students and keep things safe in the schools greg great to have you with us
2: thank you for having thank me thank
0: you guys. greg let me start with you on this give us a picture of where we stand because there was a first murder that had happened in a city city school within more in more than 2 decades we saw a gun being fired in a middle school that hasn't happened for more than a decade what is going on
2: Well, unfortunately, the policies of Mayor de Blasio have exacerbated these problems. And what I mean by that is his refusal to do an assessment to make sure that the schools that have metal detectors stay there and need metal detectors, metal detectors are added. So he has this philosophical debate with himself of not putting metal detectors in the schools. The second thing is... He, over the last two years, he's introduced a pilot program of warning cards, which he expanded to all high schools. What those warning cards do is instead of arresting kids or giving them a summons, they're now giving these cards that are not reported, they're not uh, records aren't kept, and the parents aren't notified. As to what they're uh, what, uh, what choosing and I want yes. to talk
0: about that. But first, let me just let me just start with the metal detectors, because I think most people feel like just like everywhere we go, whether it's a sports arena, whether it's a you know a public building, a lot of times we're not even just the, forget the airport. We already know that, but people are going through metal detectors. Our bags are being searched, or whatever. About how many of the 1,100 schools in New York City have metal detectors?
2: Approximately 88 schools have metal detectors. That's it. That's it. 88 schools which did not include the uh, school that had the stabbing up in the Bronx.
0: Up in the Bronx. Shakima, as a parent, how do you feel about the safety for your child?
1: I feel like it's not secure. A lot of times I'm unaware of a lot of incidents that's happening in the school until it escalates and come to find out when I finally am notified about an incident. Other things have led up to the big incident, especially when it comes to something being a physical, like something in a physical manner like violence or assault, whether it's the child or, you know, well, my child or a child hitting my child. But sometimes I don't hear things until it gets to that point. And then when I do finally ask questions or inquire, well, you know, what, you know, what happened? And I'm hearing, okay, this happened a week ago or this happened a month ago. And I'm trying to figure out well, why am I just hearing this now?
0: No, exactly. Senator Hamilton, this is something we've heard with some of the the more troubling incidents that we've seen in the city schools. Number one, parents not really being notified early on in the process. And number two, that these incidents that the children were dealing, you know, where where there were were fights, where there were tensions, that they were not taken care of or addressed properly in the beginning. What's your take on that?
3: We we do need more transparency in the notification process. We have to realize these are children, and children do have fights. And we shouldn't criminalize child behavior. but we d- need to do is to make sure that the children who have problems get the attention that they need. A psychiatrist, a psychologist, a social worker to sit down and say, hey, what's going on with your life? Are you having problems at home? Is someone bullying you? So we need to have more intervention on the front end uh, for the children who we can identify. Uh, that's why I had the mental health bill, to find out if a child has a mental issue, how to address it, get them help, and put them back into the classroom. So we have to just, just keep in mind, these are still children at the end of the day. And in
0: Right, and we're talking from grades, really from grade mm-hmm. kindergarten up until up until high school. But don't most schools have a, have school counselors or social workers?
3: Not enough. You might have one social worker for like three, four hundred children. They just can't. You know, a one social worker for one and a half schools. It's just not enough social workers to address the problems in certain neighborhoods that are stressful. I mean, low-income neighborhoods, kids have problems. So we have to have more social workers there because in affluent neighborhoods, parents have you know money to spend for a private psychologist whereas at the point when you don't so we have to look at it from that perspective.
0: Greg, in terms of, in terms of the parents and the, the flow of information mm. about what's really going on you have concerns about that. Tell us about that.
3: Well with the, with the warning
2: cards and I keep going back to that. And explain what those are for people. The, the warning cards are a made-up system that the mayor has made up where he doesn't record crime and once these warning cards are issued for whatever infractions they want to issue them for, disorderly conduct, bringing marijuana into schools, they're not. The records aren't kept, and the parents are not notified. So you don't even give the parents the option of knowing what their children are doing in schools.
0: So wait a minute. So you're saying mm. that if if a student if a student is involved in a physical fight where it's you know it's a it's a pretty intense physical fight, if they're given a warning card. The, in some
2: instances, yes.
0: In some instances.
2: But but see, the case is you don't want every child arrested for infractions. No. But you want you want records kept. Maybe not official records, criminal records but you want records kept so you can identify the problems of children, and you also want to notify the parents. At no time should the mayor take into his own hands not notifying parents on what's going on in their so schools. So, you agree with, with what Shakima
0: is saying about, the, about parents not being notified? Because we've, we've, every time we go to one yes. of the schools after an incident, that is the number one complaint. Yes. Parents are like, this happened a week ago. Why weren't we told right away? Why weren't we told this child was in crisis? Why weren't we told this kid brought a weapon into school? And not, maybe not necessarily to do other students harm, but just it yes. was in the home.
2: Every parent should be notified as to what's going on with their child. And that option should not be taken away by this mayor.
0: And, you, and everybody please feel free to jump in Senator, Senator Hamilton what about the just this, this notification and the parents because a lot of parents do feel some of the schools are very good about it mm-hmm. they're engaged with the parents they're engaged like 234 we, where we did the, the town hall with you in Brownsville they're very involved with the community they're very they have a different relationship with the, pol- with the local police it's it's not they're, them, they're not just coming there when there's a problem but a lot there are other schools where it's not like that and the parents are just basically kept in the dark. Right i agree with Greg. The, the mayor's policy
3: is always to um, conceal uh, and, and, and not uh, offer information to the parents. If you have a situation, you just can't say, I'm not going to talk about it. Uh, we're not going to address the issue. And that's the problem. You have to address the, the root cause of the issues that are happening at the schools. And so the mayor wants to make, make it seem like everything is going okay in our schools, which most of the schools there are, but there are certain schools that have issues. And we're not putting the resources into those schools to make sure that to address the behavioral issues with the children. And so I, I think we have to put more money you know, as far as social workers on, on board, uh, you know, reduce the class sizes. You know, when people coming in the morning, like you know, say some schools, you, child walks in. Good morning, Johnny. Good morning, right. Carla. How you doing today? Right. Is everything okay? Yes. Uh, at, in, in Brownsville, we have uh, uh, Principal Jackson. Every morning, he's in front of the school tree uh, uh, greeting the children, and it makes such a difference when you have the principal and the teachers.
0: In front of the school, and, and that are that they're, they're like Dr. Uh, like Dr. Bernard Gasaway did it when right. he was tur- when he turned around boys and girls high school exactly, when he and he made that big switch. The parents are engaging, the children are engaging.
3: I was at the first day of school; everybody had their uniforms on, and he's he's just changing the whole policy. Raising the and, and creating school. a
0: different a different climate. We're going to yeah. continue talking about this. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back.
3: Yo, what up? This is Clarity, and you're listening to Street Soldiers
0: with the one and only Lisa Evers on Hot 97. You dig? Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about school violence. Where do we draw the line between keeping our kids safe and criminalizing them? That's what we're talking about with our guests. Our panel includes Senator Jesse Hamilton. He's a New York State senator a Democrat representing Brooklyn. He's also on the Education Committee and he's also sponsoring a bill to have more social workers in the school. Senator Hamilton, great to have you with Thank us. You Thank you sir. so much. Also joining us is Shakima Davis. She's the parent of a fifth grader in the New York City school system and also an educator. Shakima, great to have you. Nice to be here. Thank you for being with us. Also joining us is Gregory Floyd. He's the president of the Teamsters Local 237. They represent school safety agents. Greg, great to have you with us. Thank you. Let's talk about the, the school population. Last year, there was a troubling incident in the Bronx where the student was stabbed. And just as a news person, as we were trying to break that down and understand what the sequence of events, it was very, very difficult to figure out what had led up to that, what was what was going on. So in terms of the population, though, too, Greg, we're told there's over 80,000 kids that are not in permanent homes that are either in the shelter system. or that Does that play a role in terms of them having greater needs?
2: That that may, but not in that particular incident. What played a role is that child was being bullied, and no one came to that child's defense. And 80% of the children and students, uh, students and faculty felt unsafe in that school, and I believe the principal asked for a metal detector, and that was denied. So that child brought the knife to school and took matters into his own hands. And unfortunately left one of his classmates dead the other one uh, wounded. wounded.
0: Do you feel there should be school, do, do you feel there should be metal detectors in all schools or certain schools or or I, at a certain grade level I, like
2: I, I, I think there should be an assessment by the New York City Police Department, the world's greatest police department and whatever the recommendations with consultation with the students and teachers who work in those school buildings? There should be a determination made, not political, but a determination based on what's going on in school at that time.
0: Shakim in your, in your career as an educator and, and also, you know, as, as a parent, the do can you tell when you go into a school, you kind of get a vibe and, you know, they'll tell you, hey, watch out, you know, be careful here or watch yourself here or you feel a vibe or you feel unsafe. Tell us how you assess that and how you feel.
1: Well, um, there's a lack of communication protocol sometimes, I feel. Um, Sometimes some children, you know, especially my daughter and even my students don't know who to go to, or they might go to a teacher and then they have to go to a dean and then they have to go to a principal, and it's like, I don't feel like it should ever get that far. I think some things should be addressed as soon as they go to the first, you know, school staff or whoever's facilitating at the time. And sometimes, you know, depending on the rapports with students to teachers you know there's a disconnect there.
0: And then also too if it ends up they're going to the principal then they look like they're snitching and if there's been other incidents then there's going to be repercussions for them as well and they're going to everyone I would assume is going to know about it. Senator Hamilton in terms of your bill how would that how would having social workers possibly diffuse some of these situations or just give the kids a more casual way to have a, a contact with an adult?
3: Well, the teacher's in the class with the child, and the teacher spends more time with the child, sometimes than the parents, because they're there all day. And they can make an assessment if a is having an issue, if he's not attentive in the classroom, maybe being a little bit disruptive. And then the social worker will intervene and be doing an assessment and say, well, this child may need a home visit. This child may need a psychiatrist. This child just might need someone to talk to. Uh, maybe, because we're doing right now some of our schools meditation telling kids how to meditate, how to do yoga, you know, you know, play therapy, rap therapy. We have to start looking outside the box now, because these are children, and children react the way they're treated. So the first thing, if you come into a school and you go have to go through a metal detector, that's like a quasi prison type of feel to it. So uh, when you come to school, to me there shouldn't be any metal detectors. You people be able to come into the school, good morning young man, Good morning, young lady, you're here to learn and have a holistic approach. When you walk into that school, you're there to learn and you feel that you're in an environment that's conducive to but learning. But do
0: you feel, but we're used to, let me just ask mm. you on that, because, because mm. some people feel like if they know everybody, you, you go to a nightclub, you go, you, you go through a metal detector, your bag is searched, and depending upon the club, you get a pretty, I mean, you get a, you get a pretty invasive right. physical search too because they don't want any kind of trouble whatsoever with that. What do you think about having detectors in all schools?
2: Well I agree with Senator Hamilton that it shouldn't only be in neighborhoods where we think children misbehave. I think there should be an assessment done on all schools by the police department, consultation with the students and faculty and find out which schools need metal detectors. And that should be done yearly because just because one year a school needs a metal detector doesn't mean the next year needs a metal detector. But there should be an ongoing assessment on every school the security needs and an adjustment made.
0: All right, I want to talk about security needs. Shakima, what about, Would how would you feel if all the schools had metal detectors?
1: I feel that, to me, it's the safest way to go because you kind of, um, you you pretty much secure that no matter what, it's going to be safe. You don't wait until something. That's like kind of taking pr- precaution, at, um, taking precaution to pretty much Opt out something happening. So if they're already in place, you can kind of maybe you might not be able to eliminate all of the mishaps that's happening, or you know altercations or weapons thing like that. But it will minimize. I think it will reduce you know tremendously just taking that precaution to enforce that. And then sometimes too, children, students' awareness to know that okay, I can't bring this in here. It is better to be stashed outside the building if that is what they're doing, unfortunately. But it's better outside than inside. So um, even with the awareness of, you know, things being found around the school, the safe haven is in the school. So that's the focus
0: that make the school safe haven. Senator Hamilton, also the concern, you know, like we're talking about New York City, but also against the Parkland, you know, the, the backdrop of the Parkland massacre, others mass school shootings that we've seen. Wouldn't it make sense? Some of these, some of these communities that are in very affluent areas, have put in metal detectors in all, the, you know, in all of their schools just because they're worried about something like that happening. Yeah, are, is, is are we at that point in 2018? Most of these mass,
3: where, mass shootings usually happen, people not of color. I mean, right. people, usually white people shooting young white men are shooting up schools. Uh, but uh, uh, we, the school should be the, the safety zone. The kids go to school, um, we should have uh, guidance counselors ex gang members to talk to the children. And we have the most segregated school system in the country. Right. Where we put s- children which from is certain... shocking. Age, which is shocking. So the most progressive state has the most, you know, regressive, segregated system where they keep certain kids in certain neighborhoods. If we had a, a system where it was more diversified and kids can go to schools in better neighborhoods and see a difference in just staying in, in their own neighborhood where they might have gangs. So like, say, in Brownsville, we, we have a lot of gangs. But the, but the key is to get ex gang members to come talk to the kids and say, hey, you don't want to be like me. You know, wheelchairs against violence. You know, person who was shot, you know, he's in a wheelchair. Mike, Mike, you know, so, so what you need right now is to have more money for uh, coding classes that we're doing now. We have 3D printers in the schools. And the kids are saying, we want to come to school. Our math and reading scores are going up. We're getting more black men in the school, so it's a young black boy.
0: So city. you're saying it's not just a question of just crime or violence. It no. goes beyond that. It's it a whole culture that.
3: and it's a whole culture. It's a whole mindset. You have the parents have to buy into it. Uh, the low performing kids give them awards to incentivize them to do better. Right. So it's not just, you know, X's and O's. It's right. more of having a comprehensive a holistic approach to teaching our, our young children who can learn. Uh, and, and Most of these young kids, we have hackathons, they don't want to go to sleep. They're staying
0: up for like 15, 16 hours because they're so engaged in technology. And what, what? And I want to talk about technology mm-hmm. in terms of safety and security when mm-hmm. we come back. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers.
3: New York City, it's Miguel, and you're tuning to your into the Street Soldiers, Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Evers. Real people, real, real issues, and real pilot, pilot tricks, tricks, only
0: on Hot 97. 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about school violence. Where do we draw the line between keeping our kids safe and criminalizing them? Joining me for this conversation, Senator Jesse Hamilton. He represents Brooklyn in the New York State Senate. He's on the Education Committee, and he's also sponsored a bill to have more social workers in the school. Senator Hamilton, great to have you with us. was a pleasure to be here, Lisa. Thank you so much. Also joining me is Shakima Davis. She's a parent of a fifth grader in the New York City school system and an educator. Shakima, great to have you. Nice to be here. Thank you. Also with us is Gregory Floyd. He's the president of the Teamsters Local 237. They represent the school safety agents. Let's talk about technology. You see any little grocery store you go to in any neighborhood, no matter how economically challenged it is in the city, they have state-of-the-art video cameras because they're not that expensive. Greg, do we have video camera surveillance in our schools as people are coming in, going out, the perimeters?
2: Not all schools have video cameras, and and not all schools have door alarms. I remember uh, a few years ago there was a Avante, he, he um, disappeared, and they were looking for him. They finally right, the found child him. That, right. Uh, they were supposed to have door alarms on every door. I don't know if they got around to do that yet. But we don't have those kinds of... I would say technology. That technology is not available to us.
0: But but wouldn't that be, be an asset to one of your school safety agents at the front door if they can see on video screens like like you do in every you know a of, lot of public buildings that of you go course into, it would. a lot of government buildings it, where the, it, the the they yeah. can check and see. Okay, here's the back, here's the sure. front, here's what. Oh, there's a group coming up, hanging sure. out, or whatever.
2: And there are children that are should, special needs children that should be watched, and and there are children who run out of the schools, and all of those things can help prevent a child from wandering the streets that should not be wandering the streets.
0: But and also it, you can see what's going, get an idea what's going you on too. have an
2: idea of what's going on. Correct.
0: Now what about, the, how how prevalent are gangs in the schools? The gang problem?
2: Unfortunately, they are prevalent and Senator Hamilton alluded to that but there's an organization that's operating in schools, has been operating in school for over 30 years but they're little known, they're underfunded, it's called the Council for Unity. That program, and I know I was a board member at one time. That Council Council for Unity has done extraordinary work. They bring in ex gang members, but they're underfunded. And I wish the mayor would utilize that group more because he once came to an award dinner, and he gave an award to Sean Coffey. So he knows this organization. Is that the founder? No, he's not the founder. He he ran for uh, state senate. Uh, I mean, state attorney general a few years ago. Okay. Bob senator is he's a former educator. He's the founder. He's still... So you think those programs, the,
0: the type of program that's, that Senator Hamilton is talking about, you agree with that? You think yes. that's, and you it's think in that's existence. very effective?
2: It's in existence now, but it needs funding.
0: And they need to, to have more, more of them. Yeah. Shakima, in terms of the safety concerns for a fifth grader, mm-hmm. give us a picture of what that's like.
1: Well, um, those incidents where the alarms are not on the doors, kids are able to walk out, um people are able to walk in, you know, security, not being as uptight as they should and, you know, following a protocol of making sure everybody's signed in and identified no matter how many times a person comes in the building. You never really know who's who or, you know, in a situation, God forbid, you know, someone comes in and something happens, you being able to reference back to, oh, well, this was so-and-so that came in. But sometimes, you know, you see a person every day and you just assume that, oh, that's fine, there's nothing going on, but it's still not taking that precaution to make sure that all times... This is my protocol, I'm supposed to identify you, I'm supposed to, you know, or if we are in the school with a detector, or we have a policy where there's no, you know, beverages or you know, past this point to enforce it. Because just to event those just in case stuff can happen. There's no security that anybody's opted out. You know, even with you know, a lot of awareness of the schools, you know, these incidents of shooting happen in more Caucasian neighborhoods, it can happen in our communities. Right, well, I mean, the guns
0: are everywhere, right. so it's it not, pe- when people can out, get.
1: You know, pe- so just taking a precaution of um, an awareness of protocol. If there's a safety protocol, enforce it. Starting from the foundation of faculty, you know, because then the students are respected. You know, sometimes also, you know, students are not, faculty are not enforcing something, so the students don't either.
0: Right, and that's it, Senator Hamilton. in, in terms of the, uh, in in terms of how out of date the schools are, and w- we always keep hearing about money, money, money. But there's a lot of money being spent per student, according to what we're told in the media, here in the New York City school system, the, the highest in the country. And what we're
3: doing now with the campus and Brownsville, uh, Flatbush, and Cron Heights, we're integrating the community-based organizations together. There has to be integration. The community-based organizations with the um, uh, school safety agents who are doing a great job, with the teachers, uh, with the social workers. There's no communication. So if a child has an issue, there should be like a monthly meeting. Which child is at need? Which children are at need? Uh, Do we have a gang problem? How do we resolve the gang problem? How do we get these kids, you know, maybe playing basketball, you know, in the evening or having chess clubs, you know, doing play therapy? So no one's taking the time out to say school is just like from 9 to 3. You have to start at seven o'clock in the morning till like seven eight o'clock at night. Because what happens when the child leaves the school? Right. You know what they're right if, there on the street. They're right there on the streets. And if there's something adverse on the street, or there's something negative that they're learning on the street, they're going to bring it back to school in the morning. Or so, if
0: they feel, or if they feel like, yeah. uh, or if they're being bullied right. and they feel like there's not a, an adult, a safe adult that they can talk to without having repercussions or being put on blast. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's got to be a horrible feeling to be yeah. fifth sixth grade, feeling you know being bullied and not feeling like there's anybody you can talk to. That's really going to understand or be able to change the situation. Some kids don't want to worry their mother or father or, you know, whoever's taking care of them. And but what in in terms of the money, the money thing, Greg? If we we have the spend the most money per student, why don't we have, why don't we have video cameras? I mean, come on. Well, we got to look it's,
2: at how you're spending the money. It doesn't mean because we're spending the most money, we're spending it the right way. Right. If we have that, we're spending that money. There should be an assessment on what we really need. Right. Maybe you need to reallocate dollars elsewhere.
3: It's the cost. It's the cost. Um, a lot of times we, we have cameras we are going to put in the schools, but the cost to put them in, so it's just it's just too high. It's too much. Right. So we have to put the cameras outside the school. But once it's on school property, the cost to put them in to install them is just it's, it's, it's that changes. That changes the, in, changes in, in the narrative on what we can do. So it's the cost factor to put them in the schools. Easy to put in a metal detector, but you need video cameras in the school to monitor the children. I'd rather have video cameras than, you know, uh, metal detectors in the school to monitor what's going on and have a record of what's going on. So if a fight breaks right. out, you can ha- it's, it's, it's right there. You can exactly. see who started the fight, how it, you know, who initiated it, and and that's evidence for you. Without that video camera, it's really he say, she say
0: yeah. on, the, on the scene. Right, and then mm-hmm. uh, and then when you're talking about the gang problem, you're yeah, talking but, but, about...
2: But the video camera won't present, prevent the weapons from coming in. So it will record the murder or the, the horrible, horrific incident. So mm-hmm. you need both. I wouldn't... I wouldn't stop the weapons from coming in because I don't want to see it happen. I want to see it not happen.
3: But if someone is bent on hurting someone, they're going to find a way to get in. Like you said, most of the school doors don't have alarms on it.
0: Or they just prop it
3: open. So they pop or, it open. They can slip it in. So our kids are so Don't make it easy for them, though. It won't, it won't be easy for them. But
0: Okay, but, but the, in terms of the video camera, Greg, wouldn't that mm-hmm. make it easier, with, especially with the gang problem, because then you don't have to worry about that whole snitching thing mm-hmm. where you need other witnesses oh, or no, kids no, no. to I'm, corroborate I'm not one kid's...
2: I'm not disagreeing with the no, video I'm just thing. asking you. I'm, I'm just saying that if you don't have metal detectors, what you can do is record the incident happening because the child right. is going to bring the weapon in. Right. And by the time you get there, it's too late.
0: Shakima, what about that? What kind? What kind of an atmosphere? If just picture this: every school has a metal detector, every school has a video camera system. What about that? What does that look like to you, or how does that feel?
1: It feels secure, Um, with the awareness of the limitations of sometimes being forced to have to choose one or the other. I would honestly say I feel like the videos will be pretty much, you know, kind of um, in a sense of when. Kids are aware that they're going to be caught or they's, they're going to be seen. A sane. deterrent. Mm-hmm. A deterrent. It kind of it, it forms some type of responsibility because at the end of the day, he say, she say goes a long way. Right. But if me just using my eye and what I see, you know, cameras don't lie. Right. So maybe they'll have the mind state to, without the metal detector, go, no, they're not going to catch me on camera, so I'm not going to bring this in because then now I can't get out. I can't debate this. I can't go, no, it was him, no. I didn't bring that in there. It's going to be, you know, front and center. So, you know, choosing an either-or um, scenario because when the funding is All about not it being a lack thereof. It's all about where it's being spent. So okay, you're um doing budgets, and we have to go. Okay, we're either going to implement cameras or we're going to implement metal detectors. And I would say I would do the cameras because there's no blind sight.
0: Right, and then you and you have the you have the record if there if there is an incident, Greg. What kinds of weapons have you been seeing in the beginning of the school year here?
2: Oh, there were 12 schools that had knives, box cutters, sharp instruments. Uh, The first day of school, there was a child stabbed outside the school going to school with a pick, uh, a comb, Afro-comb pick. And there were two parents on the first two days assaulting school safety agents.
0: That's terrible. And what's the, what's the policy with school safety agents when they have to call police officers? Because this has been another big issue in the community, people right. not wanting to have police um, police officers called into schools. Has Tell us where you stand on that issue and what's been happening. Well,
2: if, if, if the school safety agents need the police to come in, they call them. But usually they call them after they defuse the incident. They don't call them in to help with the situation unless there's a firearm involved then they have to call the police because they don't have firearms. But not when but, there's a knife. No, they call them after. They call them after they make the arrest. But right. usually the school safety agents diffuse the situation. The police is called because, remember, they also work for the police department. Right. So they're calling their supervisors.
0: Yeah. To 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 come to in. Come in yes. Senator Hamilton, what do you think about that? Um, I, I was against initially
3: uh, police officers being brought into the schools uh, because I have a Park Slope's part of my district. I have most affluent parts of Brooklyn. And the parents in Park Slope protested not to have metal detectors. And it's, I mean, we always know it's like a, a tale of two cities. Kids from poor, poor neighborhoods, when the police do come, they get arrested. Right. You know, in more affluent neighborhoods, they go, well, this is a good kid, he's okay. Calm Let's down, calm right. down, it'll be okay. So the way if it, the, the police enforce uh, the arrest of students, it's a high propensity uh, for them to arrest a young kid of color versus a kid from a uh, rich neighborhood who they say, well, he's a good kid, let's let him, give him a second chance. There's no second chance sometimes for our young kids coming from you know, uh, underserved know, A low-income, under, low-income, underserved, underserved Right, I see what you're saying, right.
0: absolutely. All right, we're gonna continue talking about this. This is Street Soldiers, I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Yo,
3: what up, it's The Game, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people, only on Hot 9-7.
0: Welcome back to Street Soldiers, I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're focusing on school violence, where do we draw the line between keeping our kids safe or criminalizing them? That's what we're talking about with our panel, Senator Jesse Hamilton. He's from Brooklyn, a Democrat in the New York State Senate. He's on the Education Committee, and he sponsored a bill to have more social workers in the school. Senator Hamilton, great to have you with us. Pleasure to be back. Thank you so much. Also with us is Shakima Davis. She's a parent of a fifth grader in the New York City school system and an educator. Shakima, great to have you with us. Nice to be here. Thank you. Also with us is Gregory Floyd. He's the president of the the Teamsters Local 237. Um, he represents the school safety agents in the New York City public schools. Greg, great to have you Thank with you. us. Thank you so much. In terms of solutions, what would your what would the safest kind of environment look like to you?
2: Oh, safest kind of environment would be no child coming in with a weapon, no child getting into a fight, no child being bullied. Children going home happy, learning every day. That's the safest environment.
0: That's what you'd like to see.
2: Oh. That's my dream,
0: but then how we get there—that's where the—that's uh, yeah. where the road gets a little rocky. Yes. Shakima, what could, from everything that you've done, you know, from your experience as a mom, your experience with, you know, working with so many of these students in different schools, what would you say if the mayor called you up and said, "Hey, Shakima, come on in here, sit down." We, we want to hear what you have to say. What can we do to make these schools safe? Because how do I don't know how kids can learn if you're worried about being bullied, you're worried about who you're going to see in the hallway when the bell rings, you're worried about, you know, walking home, what's going to happen, or walking to school. What, what recommendations would you give them?
1: Um, increasing our school support. I feel like the root of things is um, communication. Sometimes before it escalates and gets to those, you know, bullying incidents or, you know, physical incidents or weapons being drawn, there are things going on more internal that sometimes there's no outlets and it bottles up and eventually, like anything else, is going to explode. So school supports, um, like Senator Hamilton was talking about, the lack of social workers in the schools. You know, not necessarily they're not there, they're just limited. It's h- kind of hard to have that one-on-one attention or give those students the needs that they really have when you are servicing a whole school and sometimes two schools at a time. And um, sometimes it's not that the faculty always doesn't want to, sometimes just lack of time, lack of support. So I think that would definitely be essential in the school systems, having those outlets for children to know that I can confide in this person and they can stay here. Right. And not necessarily always being a social worker, just being a designated person that knows that, okay, I can go here. So sometimes the awareness of students not knowing who to go to, you know, it might not be the teacher that they have their best rapport with. It might be the dean or the guidance counselor. So just, Having that in, in place so that these students know that at any time there's no limits on, you know, speaking about a problem before it escalates. And have, that con-
0: and have a, having a more casual access. Yes. So they don't have to, like, have an appointment a week from today
1: and be seen walking and into I the... And feel a week is too long. Right. You know, these students are, you know, going through so much, you know, through life and, you know, we're not really preparing them for life you know, real life, and that's definitely a concern, making sure that our students, when they leave us, are ready for real-life situations, when they come into problems, you know, how to handle things, because they're human. Just like, you know, as adults, we, you know, sometimes can lose our cool and our emotions. Imagine a child that hasn't really been had any real-life experience yet, and then now they put it into this world, and it's like they don't know due to do their laws. And they have the
0: social media, they have mm. the bullying, you know, the threat yes. of that, those type of things going on. Senator Hamilton, what about you? You've spoken um, you spoke at our town hall about the importance of having male role models in the schools, especially for the boys to be able to talk to when they are having a problem. How would that fit into what you're proposing with this bill?
3: Oh, We're, we're recruiting uh, male teachers, black male teachers, from the historically black colleges. Because historically black colleges, they have the formula. It's working. Kids are coming out of Howard University, Hampton University, and thriving uh, and becoming doctors and lawyers. So there is a formula in place. So the teachers, the school agents, the community-based organizations have to come together and address those kids who are in crisis. Uh, They know who these children are. And to address them, go to do home visits, Make sure everything is good at home. Like I did a home visit, uh, and woman had mold in the bathroom. There were roaches in the refrigerator, and I said, "You you know what? I'm going to come back, but you have to clean this place up." And when I came back, she cleaned up, and we made night to go do the repairs in 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 her in her apartment. So this child was living in an environment where there were roaches in the refrigerator. You know, so imagine them coming to school. So we have some schools where 51% of the children are coming from homeless shelters. We have five new hotels in Brownsville, and so the policy of, of our city is not. We need to have more of low-income workforce housing, and children should be coming out of a hotel room, going to school. It's, that's debilitating for a child. It, it, it causes mental issues, you know, living in a hotel room, maybe with two, two your right. siblings. Right, and your signing mother,
0: in and signing, signing out in, like sign, in a, a juvenile the, detention, detention center. center.
3: So you come out the hotel, or if you, you know you go into the nature housing, it might be urine in the elevator, you know, people smoking marijuana. So that's those senses, before you even get to school, you're, you're going through that.
0: I'm telling you you're not that, you don't really matter. You
3: don't really matter. And then you get to school, then it's a metal detector. And you go, oh, not again. So we have to rethink how our kids are learning. Because right now, only 30% of kids of color are reading at grade level in middle school. 30%.
0: That's in New York City? That's in New York City. 30%. Cent. Only
3: 30%. Th- only 30% of the kids in New York City of color are, are reading that grade level. So something's wrong, and we're spending $20,000 a year. And what we're getting is not something, you know, so they don't have the skill sets. to live. For. You have to make $75,000 a year to have an apartment worth twenty-five hundred dollars a month. Right. So if that's 30% of your income. And now the average rent is like $3,000 a month. So the $15-hour job is not getting any more you can make we have a coding program where we have parents in the coding program with a high school diploma you can make $80,000 a year so they
0: have a skill they have a skill that they can get a job with right away right away and that and, that, and that's part of it and too. what's happening
3: now the the housing crisis like in my office we, we deal with 200 over 200 people a, a year it's a housing crisis that it's causes stress gentrification yeah. causes stress not having a job when causes stress right
0: when you don't have a place to live a place to live
3: you know or, or you have two families living in a two bedroom apartment that brings stress so there's a lot of stress factors that Children and parents are having now in New York City, and we have to un- address the foundation of the problem. A child does not get up in the morning and go. I want to stab somebody today. It's right. something that's it's a conflict within them. something that a stressor that's pushing them to that point. So we have to find out what the stresses are, and deal with the stresses.
0: So we had we had a, a student on the mm-hmm. on the show um, last year. He was 12, 12 years old. Had mm-hmm. been an honor student and transferred to a charter school and continued being an honor student but he brought it, he was in a whole situation that went on for weeks and weeks and weeks and ended up bringing a gun to school and got you know got suspended for that and really made it really forced him to turn his life around but the the circumstances you know before people would go like oh that's horrible he must have been a bad kid this was a really good kid it was a, it, he is a really good kid really smart kid and it was a series of being bullied by guys trying to get him not to do well in school and to be involved with what they right. were doing and he didn't feel like he had anybody to talk to greg what about a kid like that should that kind of a kid be Subject to, you know, getting arrested, getting, going through detectors, all that type of thing?
2: The answer is yes, because of the act that child took. However, that child should have also been reached out before it got to that point. Right. You have good children, let's keep them good. There should be somebody that they could talk to, go to, to stop that from happening before they take matters into their own hands.
0: And when you see the kids, when you see the weapons, the the many weapons that you confiscate, that the the school safety agents confiscate, are are the students bringing them, would you say more of them are bringing them to school to protect themselves or to defend themselves in case they need to? Or are they bringing them to school because they're Mm. involved in some kind of criminal activity or gang activity?
2: I would say a little bit of both, but I'm unsure because I don't think they keep those statistics. But chances are, if someone else brings something to school – you're going to bring it to school to protect yourself, also, and then you have an epidemic of weapons coming into the schools. Yeah, it Escalates, need, yeah. Yep, it escalates. We need we need to identify the troublemakers. Mm-hmm. We need to identify the children who are being bullied and take appropriate action with both situations.
0: So, Senator Hamilton, would not the detectors help with that? If you know, let everybody know. Hey, nobody in the, the school really is a safe haven.
3: Uh, it, well, it it does help in a way. I'd rather have the video cameras rather than the uh, metal detectors. And we, we know which kids have issues uh, in, in certain families. When I was school board president, uh, we knew certain families, the mother might have been doing drugs, the father might have had a mental right, issue. bad situation. It's a bad situation, ACS is on, on the scene. So there are indicators that prompt us to, to know which families or which children may have issues. Uh, if you, you know, solid families, they, they're engaged with their child's life. Uh, But it's the the children who are not doing well in school, we have to address that, say, hey, why aren't you doing well, you know, and talk to the teachers, and say, you know, talk to their their parents. Just sit them down. No one's taken, my my mother and father separated, and I started fighting in school, and I got suspended. No one asked me, is everything okay with you? Just a simple, you know, interaction, how are you, is everything okay, why did this happen? Can you talk to me? And, And the child will open up if they feel someone is genuinely you know, concerned about their well-being.
1: Right, and
0: really yeah, listening. And important. really listening. What about, what about yeah. that,
3: Shakima?
1: Yeah, those reports are very important. Um, there's a fine line because sometimes this can be a conflict of interest, you know, you know, with an adult, you know, being too close to a child and things like that, but that's something that also needs to be just assessed, you know, a lot better and having certain people just placed, like, you know, you know, males coming from, you know, the elite schools and, you know, just assessing the needs of the school because each school has different needs. And um, also as far as you know, kids coming from a home with both parents and a home with not. At the end of the day, kids also face peer pressure. So sometimes a child can come from the best homes and still be subjected to the same so stuff tr- that's tr- that's true as a too. child that, you know, comes from you know a projects or you know uh, you know less economical household.
0: Right, and I don't think that's just a, I have to say too you know because it, it to me it isn't doesn't it's not just about the money and it's such because you have you have many high achievers who have come from very difficult circumstances but and many that I've interviewed and and know and a lot of times it's because there's been one adult even though maybe the parents mm-hmm. you know there were, the father was not in the picture or the mother had health issues or emotional issues or substance issues but there was one adult that was in that child's life that helped that you know that encouraged that kid that looked out for for that kid and, and having this, so you're, you're saying a combination of this, if we yes. have people that are that are in place for that. It's a, Def- cer- definitely.
3: Oh. It's a certain culture, I, I never understood it, where if someone take, tries to take advantage of you, you have to be a man and, and fight back or right. don't let them punk you out. In the you street know, culture, it's right. It's a street culture, you, you can't let them punk you out, so you have to, you know, you eat your guys and you fight, you know, whereas in other neighborhoods, the conflict resolution is different. Right. You know, because if your parents have money. You know, what what are you fighting for, anybody? Right. But it's when you don't have certain things, I remember some time my mother said, "You know, go to school and you better bring, better bring back this nice pen I bought you." And it was a calculator, and so someone stole my calculator. Another guy had his calculator stolen, and he stole somebody else's calculator because his parents said, "Make sure you bring this calculator I bought for you home." So it's the mindset of some parents in certain communities say, "Hey, if somebody takes something from you, you right. better you better get it back." But
0: it's also survival. it's also survival, if you're yes. in a you're yeah. in an economically challenged right. community, you're gonna right. you're gonna have to face certain things that. Those kind of things that the other kids aren't going to do. Right. So I, I wish we had more time to talk about this. I think we got some great, uh, great solutions, right. great ideas. Hopefully some of them will be implemented. But I want to thank all of you for being with us for this episode of Street thank Soldiers. Was, Senator you. Jesse Hamilton, great to have you with us. Yes. Shakima Davis, great to have you. welcome. Gregory Floyd, thanks, thanks for being with okay. us again. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank and you. thank you for joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. I'm Lisa Evers. Let's push for peace.